Our text for this morning is from 1 Kings chapter 19. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched Elijah and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When you think of the word journey, what first comes to your mind, besides perhaps the band with that name? Perhaps traveling comes to your mind. This is summertime after all, and it's a perfect time to see or experience something new, perhaps with family or friends. Or perhaps when you hear the word journey, something greater, so a broader meaning may come to your mind. Perhaps going through life is a journey. Big changes are often journeys. Starting high school or college, starting a career, raising a family, beginning retirement, these are all journeys. Some people use the word journey to describe challenges or hardships that we face in life, something from which we can learn and then take forward with us. Or some people even use the word journey when they face unwanted difficulties, such as losing a job, or facing illness, or losing someone we love. Elijah was on a journey in his life. He had been on quite the incredible adventure, in fact, as a prophet of the Lord. He was a recently called hotshot prophet during the reign of King Ahab of Israel. Now Ahab had married a foreign queen, Queen Jezebel, and she introduced to Israel the worship of a false god, Baal. And people were turning away from worshiping the true God. And scripture tells us that Ahab provoked God's anger more than any of the kings that had come before him. And keeping in mind what some of the kings before Ahab did, that was saying quite a lot. So Elijah was standing there, the lonely voice in the wilderness calling a nation to repentance. It's no wonder that some 800 years later, people would describe John the Baptist in much the same way, and he would be called another Elijah. And God let Elijah do some pretty impressive things right away. Elijah was called to speak out against Israel's idolatry. He predicted that there would be a drought, not one drop of rain, for what ended up being more than three years. And then Elijah goes on to do some pretty impressive miracles as well. He provides a never-ending supply of food for a widow and her son. And when that son grew ill, Elijah even raised that boy from the dead. But the most impressive thing God did through Elijah was when Elijah directly confronted King Ahab for abandoning God's commandments. And he instructs Ahab to gather all of Israel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal to a mountain. And there they would have a competition of sorts. So they built two altars, one for Baal, one for the true God. And the prophets of Baal prayed to Baal, and nothing happened. And Elijah 
prodded those false prophets. And then as a demonstration of God's undeniable power, he ordered that his altar get doused with water. And then he prayed to the one true God and then everything, water included, was consumed with fire. So then Elijah led the people of Israel to put to death the false prophets. And just like that, 450 of what were the most important religious figures at the time, at least in some people's eyes, were gone. And the queen would be infuriated. This was not going to sit well with her, but as a signal that God was with Elijah and the people at this point, for the first time in three and a half years, there was rain. Talk about an amazing mountaintop experience, quite literally. You would think that Elijah would be storming the gates at this point, placing all his trust in the God who has provided for him. But when Ahab told his wife Jezebel what had happened, she was incensed. And she leveled a threat against Elijah. She said, may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not do to you what you did to the prophets of Baal by this time tomorrow. Despite the amazing journey that God had led Elijah on to this point, Elijah was afraid for his life. And as we heard in our Old Testament reading, he ran away destitute of any of the godly courage that he had had not days before. And after traveling into the wilderness, he sat down under a broom tree and he decided he didn't want to be on this journey anymore. He said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. And he lay down and he slept, probably not expecting to get up again. He was willing to give Jezebel the very thing that she was after, his own life. Journeys especially difficult ones, can take their toll on us. It can bring us to the point where we throw up our hands and out of fear or pain or just plain exhaustion, we want relief. And we turn to God and we say to him, can't this be enough? I was reading the book, uh, Teach My People the Truth, the story of Frankenmuth by Herman Zender. And I was amazed at all the difficulties that those men and women faced on their journey. The 50-day trip across the Atlantic Ocean where they had to bring all of their own food and supplies. The train ride from Albany to Buffalo that crashed just as the settlers were beginning the second stanza of now thank we all our God. The long winter once they got here, the impossible task of clearing and building upon and farming land, the interpersonal tensions that they had, the challenge of the mission to show the love of Christ in their mission to the Native Americans. Think about how dismal that journey must have looked from the outside. Now think of all the years that have passed since then. Think of all the fruit that has come from this congregation, St. Lawrence, since that original planting of the seed of mission work. 
Like Sender, I find it appropriate to quote Wilhelm Ley regarding the mission in America. Nothing went as we had hoped it would go, but all has gone in such a way that success and blessing attended our work. How does that happen? How do success and blessing come out of difficult or even doomed journeys? Elijah was about to find out that answer. He was ready to give up all hope as he slept under that tree, but God was not ready to give up on him. Elijah was woken up by an angel who ordered him up, and and there was a freshly baked loaf of bread and a jar of water, and Elijah ate and lay down again, and then the angel came a second time and woke him up and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. The journeys that we find ourselves on are always too great for us. There are days when I look at my two boys, Miles and Freddie, and I think, how can I possibly be a good enough dad for them? The journey is too great. Or I look around in the world in which we live, and I think, how can I possibly be equipped to be a pastor? The journey is too great. What journey are you on in your life? What journey appears to be too great for you? When we're honest with ourselves, and it can be an uncomfortable thing, we realize that this journey called life is actually too great for us, and it's too great because we are weak and sinful human beings. Face to face with our sins, we realize that we're not the parents that we should be, or we're not the children that we should be, or the students, or the employee, or the family members, or we're not the Christians that we should be. On our own, in fact, we tend to mess things up pretty well. Elijah had messed things up in his life pretty well. When, when he was supposed to be leading the charge against the rampant idolatry in Israel, he was actually running in the opposite direction. Martin Luther writes about Elijah and this passage in 1 Kings. And Luther says that we can take comfort in the apparent weaknesses of the saints. Not that we take comfort in their sin or their failure, but when we see how God responds to them, that they are real people like you and me with their failures, and that our loving and gracious God comes to them. That is what we can take comfort in. God doesn't give up on Elijah. God doesn't wash his hands of this weak prophet. God tells Elijah that he knows the journey is too great for him. So God comes to Elijah with mercy and grace. He provides Elijah with the physical sustenance that he needs. But more than that, God provides Elijah with what he needs to complete his journey. Immediately after our reading for today, Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, which is also known as Mount Sinai. And there God would show Elijah his presence and assure him that he is truly present 
with him. The same mountain where God informed his people who were coming out of Egypt that he was truly present with them as well. In our lives, our journeys are too great for us, and God knows that they're too great for us. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus journeyed to this world to be truly present with us as well. And Jesus didn't sleep under a tree in despair. No, Jesus was nailed to a tree out of love. And Jesus didn't say, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. Jesus said, my life is enough for the sake of this world, Father. It is finished. That's what Jesus was telling the people in our gospel reading today. It's not only about the bread that sustains our physical life, which God is faithful to provide. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 with bread, and he invites us in the Lord's Prayer to pray for our daily bread. But Jesus was telling them that there is a more important bread the bread of life, himself, and his journey to the cross for the sake of the life of the world. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus journeyed to the cross for us. Just as Elijah received the strength he needed for his journey, we receive the strength that we need for ours, the strength that we cannot fabricate on our own, the strength that only comes from the bread of life. It's the strength we receive when we partake in the bread in Holy Communion when we receive the forgiveness of sins from our God and our Lord. It's the assurance that though we die, we will yet live, and Jesus will return on that day of the resurrection and raise us from the dead. Jenny, Miles, Frederick, and I will be on another journey shortly. On, on Wednesday, we pack a truck, and on Thursday, we depart and head back to St. Louis for my final and fourth year of seminary. And in eight months, God willing, Jenny and I will be sitting in that campus chapel on call day, waiting to hear where my first call as pastor will be. And then another journey will begin. But as I look back on all that has happened on our journey so far, I know that we couldn't have made it without the strength of God and Him sustaining us every step of the way. This past year, as I've had the responsibility and privilege to work among all of you as vicar, I can never thank God enough or thank all of you enough for our time here. My family and I are provided everything we need through Christ who strengthens us. And we have been shown the immense love of Christ from all of you. And we truly thank you for all of that. So as my farewell to you now, I leave you with this. 
the journey that I am on, the journeys that you are on in your life, the journey that St. Lawrence as a church is on. It's not about us. It's about the bread of life, Jesus Christ. It's about God graciously making himself known through Jesus and God making his love known to this world through us. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Arise and eat, he says to us, for the journey is too great for you. And I give to you everything that you need. In his name, amen. And now may the grace and peace of our God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.